This is out of bounds. It really is Out of Bounds. It's another edition of Out of Bounds right here on the Know Your News Network. John Alba, Mia O'Brien, and we are rocking and rolling here on another Monday night, the second Monday night of the year 2023, where we cover the weird, wacky, and wild in all the sports world. Mia O'Brien, what's cooking, good looking, how we doing today? We're truly out of bounds, uh, as I am giving you this podcast live from the 1010XL podcast studios in preparation for tonight's national championship game and some festivities with friends. Didn't want to trek all the way back to the homestead. So uh, hanging here in good old downtown Jacksonville and uh, excited to discuss that game and a whole lot more tonight. Yes, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of football here on this show because we had week 18 of the NFL season where the mighty fell and a whole lot more as well. All righty, let's get down to it. I got my glass. I know you don't got anything to drink here. T- oh, do you? Oh, do you I have water. something to drink? Yeah, Come on now. All right, we're we're hydrating while I'm dehydrating. That's fine. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say. Are you making the toast this week or am yeah, I? I got I one since I have actual alcohol. Um, this is a combination. So, you know, I've got my caramel whiskey. I got my peanut butter whiskey. So I combined them into one glass here. So I have peanut butter caramel whiskey in my hand right now. Uh, and it is delectable, let me assure you that. Uh, a toast to the end of the college football season. I know it's your favorite time of the year, me, O'Brien, college football. That's something that rode with you through the Midwest. And as tonight, we will crown a national champion. Uh, it could be one for the ages, or it could be a total flop. We'll talk about that in just a little bit here. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. I was going to make my toast. To the good people of Please. Duval County, um, because Colin Coward, among many national pundits, once again, went on the tube, as in the television, and said there's no such thing as a home field advantage in Jacksonville, despite 70,000 fans screaming and having been tailgating for 12 hours on Saturday. And so my toast to you, Duval, start <laughs> hydrating now. We're running it back. We got another Saturday game this weekend. Get ready now. So you stay ready so you don't got to get ready. Before we talk about any of that... And perhaps we'll hit on that at the end of the show. Uh, I do want to talk about something that happened after we went off the air last week, and that is Damar Hamlin. Uh, this story has captivated the entire sports world and, and the world in, in general. People have really been locked in on this. We all know what happened last week when to cardiac arrest on the field. His heart stopped twice. They had to resuscitate him twice. Uh, the game between the Bengals and Bills was suspended. They'll potentially have some logistics to climb through. But then uh, yesterday, as we taped this, Naeem Hines, two kickoff return touchdowns for the Bills, including the opening kick, uh, a special moment. And DeMar is kicking out, and he was actually moved back to Buffalo today from Cincinnati. One of the most insane stories that I can remember as a sports fan, me, O'Brien. So I, I ask you... Is this one of the biggest sports stories in terms of the ramifications of it that we'll see for some time? So from the perspective of having worked with a lot of um, sudden cardiac arrest victims, as well as the nonprofit who we play for, I can tell you that this is not an anomaly in that we have had multiple professional athletes go down throughout the history of sports with sudden cardiac arrest. What made this one abnormal was the fact that it was, and again, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, the comiocordice, which is the type of sudden cardiac arrest it was. Only 30 victims a year are part of this, have this medical emergency. And we see it most often in sports with this blunt trauma, courtesy of Little League, of all things, and in lacrosse, where a ball, a small ball at such a high velocity hits the heart at such a strange mm-hmm. one in a million angle. That is when it happens. And I know it actually happened in my hometown, uh, Freehold, New Jersey about two, three years ago. And thankfully there was a CPR certified trainer at the little league game and was able to resuscitate the young boy. Um, so it, it's a frightening situation. I, I understand that it hasn't happened in the national football league since I believe 1971, there was a player who did suffer a heart attack, um, which is largely what sudden cardiac arrest is. Um, but this one was caused by blunt trauma. We, we pretty much know that, although we won't probably know that definitively for a little while. Um, while I don't think that this will necessitate changing pads and 
changing how, you know, the armor that football players wear is constructed. I do think that it was a moment that reminded us vulnerability of this gladiator sport. And I think that that hopefully is something that does resonate with people for a long time. Um, But at at the same time, you know, it was a tragedy, but it speaks to just how important knowing CPR, knowing where an AED is, wherever you are, and having them at athletic facilities. And so, again, working with that nonprofit, shout out to my guys at who we play for, um, it it just all the more enhances what their cause is, which is ensuring that not only does every school, every stadium in the United States have an AED, every college, high school, professional outlet, but also that more and more people are CPR certified. There's about, there's only a handful of States, thanks to the great work from who we play for and other nonprofits that still don't require it for a public school education requirement. And so hopefully we're able to get all 50 States where everyone has to at least take one CPR class in their life to graduate high school. And so at least there's some familiarity. It's obviously in the moment, I can't even imagine how you spring into action like that. But at the very least, if we're all familiar with it and understand that this can happen, then I think that that not only would help the sports world, but it's going to help the world at large. Yeah, and all of that you just said certainly resonates and should resonate with a bigger audience. We've seen millions of dollars literally donated to Damar Hamlin's toy drive. So it's it's a cause that is clearly affecting a lot of people, and it is hitting something close to home for them. I think the NFL needs to acknowledge you use the term gladiator sport. I'm glad you did because that's a term I was going to use if you didn't, where it's one of those sports where we relish in the violence. I'm glad that we have tempered that in recent years. I mean, you remember, man, Madden used to have the hit stick and ESPN would have the hit of the week or whatever it was called, uh, something of that nature. Some uh, some local news high school football programs still have that, by the way. Right. So that will remain nameless. That is a that is an antiquated, antiquated form of indulging in the game. I think it puts that at the forefront. It makes people more aware that football is much more than just concussion awareness. There's a lot more to it. I also think that this has to wake the NFL up to bringing humanity back into the sport because whatever Troy Vincent, the executive from the NFL, former player himself had to say in regards to what was originally going to be a five minute restart to this game. uh, The reality is Mia, without the coaches stepping aside and pulling the players back, that game probably restarts. And I'm hoping that an opportunity like this, where thankfully DeMar Hamlin survived this ordeal that hopefully this awakens the league that there needs to be a degree of humanity in this game, in a game where so much is so desensitized. Players are cut without guaranteed contracts. If someone gets hurt, the initial thought is, how does this affect my fantasy team? We need to humanize this game a little more in a sport that rarely displays human behavior. And I hope a situation like this does just that. So, yes. Yes to that. All you need to know is that when Tamar Hamlin woke up, what was the first thing he asked? Right, he asked, did we win the game? I know. So that says he thought that, you know, obviously he didn't know the severity of the medical emergency he suffered, but he assumed the game restarted. Right. What does that say about our culture? Right. Hey, I got taken away in an ambulance. People didn't know if I was alive or not, but did we win? It's it's it's, been, it's it's actually horrible. It really it's been is normalized. That's the problem yeah. is that maybe it's not sudden cardiac arrest due to blunt force trauma. Maybe it's a concussion. Maybe it's Ryan Shazier being paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, the game goes on. And I understand the machine has to roll on. And I've heard plenty of folks say that once he was stabilized, well, first of all, Making sure DeMar Hamlin was stabilized is most important. But maybe the Bills shouldn't have left Cincinnati. Maybe they could have played the game Tuesday. I've heard that a lot. But that's also – that's the right term. That is also – Desensitive to the players. It's desensitizing the whole situation. Not just the players. It's desensitizing the whole situation. It's unfortunate that that is the mentality. But I am hoping that a situation like this changes. And look, we got to talk about the kickoff return for the touchdown. You know, everyone, oh, it's Disney, blah, blah, blah. I, it really was an amazing moment in that it 
gave this man. Did you hear what the report was from the doctors today? What happened with him when the touchdown happened? No. He, he rose to his feet, jumped up and down, and set off all the alarms in the ICU. Oh, my God. So That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome in that it's cool, but it's like, hey, here's a player who's in the ICU from this football in the first place. So I think we have to temper how we think about these things in context. It was a great moment, this initial kickoff return for the touchdown. I hope the league wakes up, Mia. I hope everyone opens their eyes to this. I, I know it's not the usual fun way we start this show off with, but it's something worth talking about. And listen, the Bills winning the Super Bowl would be a hell of a story now. Furthermore, furthermore, but they ha- I was going to say, but who will they have to face is my question. Just kidding. I won't go there. Uh, speaking of things that the league is going to have to face, the Houston Texans are on the verge of hiring their third head coach in three seasons. Lovey Smith Tanks the Texans tank with a miracle come from behind win against the Colts in which Davis Mills looked like Peyton Manning in the house that Peyton built. He then was told, excuse me, I should say he was then asked by reporters if he felt confident that his job was safe, to which he said absolutely. Four hours later, Lovey Smith was fired as the Texans lost the number one overall draft pick in the effort. John, is this an all-time iconic move by Nick Casario in the Texans front office? My pal Jordan Katz, who has stepped in and hosted this show in the past here, in your absence, we have a running joke every week. We tell each other, or we try to figure out who is the beast of the week, or what is the beast of the week story. This is the beast of a century story from Lovey Smith, who no doubt knew that he was going to get fired, and was like, you know what, we're going for it. We're going to do this. We're going to win this game. And in the process, potentially depending on whether or not the Texans can move up to get that number one pick, but potentially alters the course of NFL history by winning this game and changing the timeline trajectory of the Houston Texans, who, by the way, ownership has been uh, temperamental, to say the least, over the last few years, and their second coach uh, fired after a one-and-done. This is outstanding. And you know what, Mia? I saw a lot of people that were like, The players, why are they celebrating this? Well, guess what? By the time whoever that number one overall draft pick would be develops, most of those players probably aren't even going to be on that sideline in the first place. So, yeah, play to win the game. Celebrate the win. It was a great come-from-behind win for them. I'm all about this. This is an all-time great tank in the tank from Lovey Smith. Having covered a one-win team and a three-win team, every win should be celebrated and sought after Mm -hmm. because you never know how many you're going to have. I was joking. I was like, wow, like A.J. Can, one of the guards for the Texans because he was in Jacksonville the previous six, seven years. Wow, he literally went from one team that had the number one overall pick to another team that's bound to have the number one overall pick. So you know what? Good for him. Good for the rest of those guys that, you know what, it's not fun being in that situation, having covered a team that has had the number one overall pick in back-to-back seasons. And moreover, I'm excited for the city of Chicago. They're going to have their first overall pick unless they trade it. Which we I don't think get they're keeping it for the record. I don't either. They're going to get a King's ransom of picks, though. And I'm happy for Justin Fields because there's a lot of holes to fill in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He has been electric this season when he wasn't running for his life. And so I'm excited for hopefully Chicago to build around Justin Fields and to have the resources to do that. And moreover, for Bryce Young to potentially be not playing in the AFC And if there's anything that anyone wants to come back with and say, oh, it's not really that big of a deal, they'll land at two or whatever, look at no further than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who would not have had Trevor Lawrence had the New York Jets done their job and tanked properly. But because they didn't and they won a game at the end of the season, the Jaguars ended up with that first overall pick and took Trevor Lawrence, who now looks like he's on a trajectory uh, to becoming a true franchise quarterback for many years to come. Uh, this is a real ramification that the Houston Texans faced. And by Lovey Smith showing the balls to do what he had to do, I, I love this so much, Mia, because... Well, I he, love this because it's Lovey. And the Bears, his former team, his former team now correct. have the number one overall pick. And, and you know me, I'm outward about this on the shows. I'm never going to be siding with owners in the first place. So <laughs> this Texans ownership has been real bad for a long time. Sometimes getting a little taste of your own medicine is just, it's just, 
Just well, I'll tell you this, too, and I told you this off the air and talking to some of, my, some of my guys in Houston that cover the Texans, even if they had the first overall pick, there was some speculation whether or not they even would consider Bryce Young because of his smaller fra- uh, smaller stature. And now knowing that C.J. Stroud put on the show he did in the college football playoff semifinal, would Casario have leaned towards Stroud to begin with? And I mean, so, and, and that's the thing. Look, they're at two, so there's going to be options there regardless of whether right. they're it's not. It's not the Trevor not. Lawrence draft, so I don't no. think it's quite it, – it's not quite at the Frank Gore Jets level, but it's up there mostly because Lovey then gets fired and then it benefits his old team. It's not like He's Lovey. In Illinois, John. I love that person. It's not like Lovey didn't know that this was coming. Lovey Absolutely. My job coming. is safe. And and he said, we're burning this ship to the ground, boys, and I want you all to jump on with me. And his teammate and his players were like, yeah, we're doing it. Let's go. I love I'll ask, that. I'll ask you from this perspective, because I know you really um, you enjoy the um, the the uh, intersection of sports culture and race. I this do. is now the second head coach, a man of color mm-hmm. that has been one and done in mm-hmm. Houston. And once again, the rumors are surfacing that Josh McCown, he of a, um, correct me if I'm wrong, resume that obviously includes many, many years as an NFL quarterback, but then also one to two years as a high school high head school. coach. Mm-hmm. And now it's looking like he actually may become the Houston Texans. He might have coach. a shot at it. Yeah. I, again, that's, that is the nature of the beast in the national football league. And I would hope, because also their, their GM, left the organization as well. So I, I would, uh, I would hope, or he could step, stepping aside, I should say um, for health stuff, but I would hope oh, that you're talking about the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, but there's also organizational change going on in the Texans as well, but the Cardinals, oh, Kingsbury, I miss that. Also, that's also another situation with Cliff Kingsbury. And, and that's a whole nother situation. That's a franchise that absolutely, by the way, should be taking their time and assessing all of their options all of their options, but that's not even on our uh, radar here. But I do want to move on to a story that is on our radar because I know it's one of your favorite uh, stories to talk about whenever we bring him up, and that is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Well, his Green Bay Packers laid an egg against the Detroit Lions, who had earlier in the day been eliminated from playoff contention. And all the Packers. John, 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 keep, keep that graphic up. Can you look to the the cameraman on the right? Can we zoom in? Yeah, if I you're listening, it's, if it's you're listening, Iowa, it's an Iowa thing. Just yes, wanted to get that on the record. Well, regardless, Aaron Rodgers has been immunized from making the playoffs this year, and as a result, could see the end of his time not just in Green Bay but also in the NFL. He was asked to do a jersey exchange after the game ended, and he said, "No, I'm going to keep this one." What do you make of that, Mia? Maybe it's going to be his next, like, sacrificial ayahuasca in the jungle. I don't know. I still think he's coming back. Have you seen the numbers on this from Spotrack of, or Spotrack about it would be, I believe, I'm, I'm going to pull up the exact number here, but it's like 50 million, it's still 40 something million dollars if they trade him. It's still a $40 million cap hit if he retires. Like, they they are in the worst possible spot right now, the Green Bay Packers, when it comes to trying to financially survive whatever Aaron Rodgers decides. I love this so much. Are you are you ready for it? Here's the numbers, John. Right. If he plays, his cap hit is thirty one point six million dollars. That's non restructurable. If he's traded, the cap hit is forty point three. If he retires, it's 40.3. If they release him, it's $99.7 million. (laughs) Well, Aaron Rodgers has all the leverage in that event. But just the nature of all of this. Listen, Aaron Rodgers, for most of his career, from a playing standpoint, was a pretty likable quarterback. You could have your own opinions about him as a person. But then in the past couple of years, he took what remaining goodwill he had in the public eye and pretty much burnt it straight to the straight to hell. And as a result, you have this crazy situation going on in green Bay where they should be a lot better than they are. And yet they miss the postseason here. This is a guy who for all intents and purposes can still play football at a pretty high level. I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to sell it straight to me here, Mia. What, 
does this mean for Aaron Rodgers? I understand you just laid out what it means for the Packers, but what does it mean for Aaron Rodgers? What is what jersey is Aaron Rodgers wearing next year, if one at all? Is Jeopardy still hiring? I don't believe so. Well, okay, so there goes the retirement. I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, I think he still thinks he has some more years in the tank. I truly do believe that. But where would he go? Well, he's a foot ahead of everybody, so. Well said. Or a toe, if you know what I mean. Um, my thing is, is yes, he could go to Las Vegas. And I saw, according to Bet Online AG, that's the odds-on favorite, that Raiders or 49ers are the most likely landing spots, which obviously with his ties to Northern California, San Francisco makes sense. Although, mm-hmm. why would they have four quarterbacks? Like, I I guess Jimmy Garoppolo is not under contract, but still. Like, why would you have so many quarterbacks? Kyle Shanahan, he already employs, like, seven running backs a game. Maybe one of them will play defense. Who's to say? Maybe. Yeah, you know, he could do that. Or Wildcat or something. But anyways, um... I think he's back with the Packers, personally. Okay. I just think that, you know, even with the comments made by my boy Alan Lazard that he doesn't want to be back and there's discontent, not just with Aaron, but with a lot of the guys in that locker room with the front office, their defense has enough playmakers on it that it should give you an opportunity. I understand the fact that at wide receiver until Christian Watson got healthy and came back, there really wasn't a whole lot there. If they can say to Aaron Rodgers, we promise you, we promise we're going to get an elite wide receiver, either in free agency or the draft. Bob Tanyan, God willing, will be healthy because I think he's one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. Mercedes is going to come back for his 15th year because, of course, he is. And we'll figure it out. We'll run it back one more time. Maybe they even trade for Devontae to come back. But it's it's not even like they were that close, though. Like, they're definitely up. Playoff. Well, it took a miracle run. Like, I mean, again, maybe this says that the Jaguars winning on Saturday night truly was like destiny or whatever because they were on the brink of having one four straight and then blowing it in the winner take all situation. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't believe the Packers. I just couldn't believe the Packers stuff. lost at Lambeau. Like, that's the craziest. I think yeah, the Lions a are. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a straight up choke. They straight up choke. Yeah, exactly. The Lions are frisky. Like, I'm here for the Lions. But at the same time, even beyond that, it's the Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. They're supposed to be inevitable. We talked about that in the program last week. So, uh, I don't know. I think he comes back because I just – I don't – who's going to take him? I know the Jets I, I, I fans are clamoring for Jets, him, but I don't – he's not going to New York. He want, If he's going to go anywhere, he wants to have some place that he can wander a wilderness and see, have no shoes on. Jets, he's not going to do that in Bergen Jets County. Are a legitimate possible landing spot for him. Because he fits everything the Jets need. The Jets need a temporary solution so they can develop something long-term. The Jets have talent on that team. We've talked about it on the show before. They have talent on that team. Aaron Rodgers in New York? Yeah, that would be, media-wise, it would be a, a whew, it'd be a carnival. But I, I think the Jets are very much a team that could be on the radar here, alongside the ones that you listed as well. Um, I, I just... Honestly, I, I really do believe that. I think it's less likely that he returns to Green Bay. I think he forces his hand and gets his way out of there because uh, I think he wants to win, and I don't see the Packers being a team that are going to win a Super Bowl in the next few years. Just who don't see the, that. Who would be the better quarterback in New York then? Aaron Rodgers or Daniel Jones? And probably Aaron Rodgers by his intangibles, but let's see what weapons each team has. That's, that's a certain element. You wouldn't want to – leave that argument up to a coin toss, but you might leave other things up to a coin toss. Would you not be, O'Brien? Aha! What a segue, John Alba. Let's stick in the National Football League and segue back to the DeMar Hamlin medical emergency and the ramifications from the canceled Bengals-Bills game. On Thursday, running back Joe Mixon, who plays for the Bengals, not the Texans, sorry, Urban Meyer, expressed his frustration with how the NFL had tweaked its playoff procedures to adjust for that canceled game in the wake of the on-field cardiac arrest of DeMar Hamlin. The changes meant that if the Bengals lost to the Ravens this past Sunday, the league would flip a coin to determine home field advantage for their playoff rematch. So on Sunday, when Mixon ran in a one-yard touchdown in the first quarter, he had his prop ready. He goes into the end zone, he takes off his glove, he had a coin, and he flipped it to make fun of the NFL's potential playoff scenario. John, is this the best prop inclusion in a play in a touchdown celebration ever? No, it is not. 
And what I'm gonna, is? I'm going to give you mine in a second. But before I do, I want to remind everyone, if you want to let us know what you think yours is or you think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up, kynchat.com. Hit us with those super chats. You can either do it there or if you're just on YouTube watching, you can drop them right there. We'll read them on air for you. But in my opinion, Mio, Brian, that is easily Joe Horn and the cell phone celebration with the Saints and the Giants back on Monday Night Football in the Jesse Palmer era, the New York Giants. I, I mean, come on. Pop. Taking a cell phone, which, by the way, was a flip phone back in the day. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? We love nostalgia culture here. Those great Verizon commercials from many years ago, many moons ago. He pops the cell phone out from underneath, lifts the uh, padding up off the goalpost, and makes a little call in the end zone after scoring. That's the greatest prop celebration as far as I'm concerned. Maybe Stetson Bennett should have done that when all the Tennessee fans were calling him at like four in the morning before the Georgia Tennessee game. And he just held up the cell phone. He should have actually gotten one. Uh, No, I I know this is a controversial take. Uh, Zeke Elliott going into the Salvation Army Hmm. kettle pot. I know that that was very controversial, but I do enjoy including and incorporating the scene, the setting. If you're a, if you're an actor or an actress improv, you use what's around, and I appreciated that, you know, he saw what he could use, and he made the most of it. Didn't Gabby Laspisa get in front of you in Drama Club? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, no, I would, I would, I would, I would, I enjoy, I enjoy utilizing what you have. That's, uh, that's my speech and debate background coming. I agree with not that. My, not I, Mr. Barlum's middle school play. Just Joe Horn, man. I feel like that was the first true prop celebration and i mean he got blasted for that he got obliterated but man i'm i'm good with a little smack talk i'm good with doing a little bit and this this wasn't really so smack talk this was more him just poking fun at the situation and it didn't they didn't even need it it didn't ultimately matter at the end of the day that was already determined by the way the seating ended up playing out uh but you got to be careful that situation you don't want the loopman after you over something like that well, especially in a world where if you, you know, we've seen some urinating celebrations. You, you got to be careful. Yeah, we've seen people got to be a little careful. I don't know. To me, this is Joe Horn was like five levels ahead of that. I, I really do consciously believe that. Looks like uh, our guy, uh, our guy, Jordan Katz, uh, agrees with you. Uh, I also see that Scott, who also commented on today, tonight's Know Your News Out of Bounds, which, of course, you can get in on the conversation by leaving a super chat or a comment on YouTube. Scott says Aaron Rodgers is going to Tennessee, if anywhere. He bought 40 acres of land there last year. Uh, we appreciate the super sleuthing. And also, like I said, that's why he's not going to New York because he's not going to buy 40 acres of land that he can wander around barefoot in, in Bergen County. We'll see. Let's move on here. We got a national championship game here tonight. Georgia TCU of all the dramatic things I've ever seen TCU playing for a national title. Them horned frogs could be national champions come the end of the night here. The Bulldogs, uh, they struggled in the semifinals, but managed to punch their ticket Pardon me, after an errant kick from Ohio State as the New Year's Eve ball dropped, as we covered last week here in the archives on Know Your News Out of Bounds. Mia, if TCU pulls this off, and I understand TCU is not in a no-name conference by any means, but if TCU pulled this off, what are the ramifications for the college football world here? Um, I think they would write it off as a one-off. Even if TCU absolutely dominates Georgia, I think that the narrative would be spun as well. You know, either it's Stetson's fault or Georgia's beat up or, you know, there was too much pressure to repeat and Kirby is crazy. There would be excuses. It would not be about TCU and what Sonny Dykes has done in year one with a team that is comprised of players from the transfer portal and a quarterback that he benched at the beginning of the year and how phenomenal that storyline is. What I will say to you, and I believe I said it last week as well, and if I didn't, I apologize. Um, What is so fascinating about this game tonight is that we have David versus Goliath and Stetson Bennett is not David. He is Goliath. Yeah, That's wild to me. That is is absolutely wild. And honestly, you can say it's David versus Goliath, but let's let's not act like TCU fluked its way into the college. No, football. they absolutely right. didn't. But they have how many four stars? How many five no, stars compared to Georgia's all star lineup? It. I understand that. I understand that. But I, I am a subscriber to the belief that when a team catches hot and they catch fire, 
you ride that momentum as far as you can and and you don't want to face that team you don't want to georgia could come in here and lay an all-time egg tonight which i think really could open up that conversation more for what can come of the expanded playoff in the not so distant future it it does leave open the opportunity for more at-larges to really step into the equation and be considered a serious threat for making a run in the college football playoff as it expands. I think it's also a testament to the importance of uh, having the now you've talked about this in the past few weeks, having the narrative that it's okay to give some teams a chance that aren't the typical perennial powerhouses. I do think this is a very significant game in that regard, Mia. Well, as long as TCU doesn't lay the egg, because if they do, then all of that goodwill that's been built up over the past week plus. Negating the fact that they beat Michigan. Right. Well, all the goodwill that's been built up after the the two competitive semifinals where everyone said, huh, maybe more teams is a good thing. Maybe giving more teams a chance we can have great games leading up to the national championship uh all that would be gone and it would be well it was always georgia it is what it is maybe even ohio state or michigan should have been in there sucks it is what it is what i will say to that is the cotton ball the only wave that john alba approves no i don't approve of any well green wave you approve i am lane green wave who in a 12 team playoff would have been the 12th seed and they defeated USC, who would have been the five seed. We we allow the green wave. We don't ban that wave. We allow the green wave. Just for now. Just for now. Because they did knock off UCF. Right. And that's but, the point. I mean, if the Cotton Bowl had been, a, you know, first round or a quarterfinal of the college football playoff, how good is that? How, how many people are talking about the fact that the 12 seed beat the five seed? Again, this is a country that loves the month of March. They live for Cinderella. One out of 12 months of the year, and they really don't want that come January or February or December? I highly, highly, highly can't believe it. I don't disagree with you. We're all about the elements of the tournament that make it so special. I think if it carries over to football, it's only a good thing. But we Speaking stay in Texas, do we not? We Well, no, we're also going to talk about basketball. Let's talk yeah. about basketball. Um, I, I didn't even talk about the Mike White revenge game on my three-hour program today because we had so much other stuff to talk about on 1010XL and XL Primetime. Um, but, yeah, let's go to the Mike White revenge game in Gainesville where – actually, no, t- check that. That was against Georgia. So this is a couple of nights earlier for the Florida Gators. Todd Golden, of course, the new Mike White. Uh, Texas A&M goes to Gainesville, and they warm up. They're getting ready to go. And then they realize they left the hotel and the managers had left their game jerseys there. This is insane. <laughs> they double timed it back. They get them. The game was delayed 10 minutes. Officials did hit them with a delay of game penalty, by the way. They deemed it an administrative technical foul before the game could begin. The game John, started one nothing. Should Buzz Williams fire someone? The game started one nothing. How often does that happen? In college basketball or basketball Never. in general. Never. They threw the opening ES- tip off ESP- and won nothing. <laughs> ESPN has fined you. They, they they made you give a point. This yeah. was insane. This was is weird. absolutely a fireable offense. Like, there are very few. Well, especially because it was like the student managers, right? Like, I don't even know how much they get paid. There are very few things that you just absolutely cannot play a game without. And jerseys are kind of. Well, to that point, I don't know if you remember back, what was it, twenty? We're not doing shirts versus skins here, Mia. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, remember the tragedy, or almost tragedy, 2017, I think it was, when Michigan at the Big Ten tournament, their plane went down, and they had to, like, get them, like, you know, the jaw, not the jaws of life, but to get them all off the plane that skidded off the runway, and their jerseys were still on the plane, like, buried That's underneath. A different circumstance. So they had to play their first-round game of the Big Ten tournament in their warm-up jerseys. Because they didn't have anything else. Yes, that's a different circumstance. That's the only. That's what I'm getting at. That's the only other time. This is that I can remember this human error. Like a jersey, a wardrobe malfunction ever happening this in college carelessness. basketball. This is carelessness. This is careless. Also, okay, you can get mad at me for this. Why do we need warm up jerseys? Just warm up in your jersey. That's what we did in rec. That's what we did. You know, coming up through the system. Warm up jerseys are overrated. 
You got to change again. Your body is, it was loose. You got to look good. Look good, play good. You don't want to be sweaty out there. I would be sweaty. I'm always sweating. Tightens up again. I'm not into that. I know it's a very Larry David style argument from me there, but come on now. Let's let's really get into the nitty gritty here. The, it is not so much just on the human error. It is the concept in general that I'm complaining about here on Out of Bounds. Well, they like wearing, you know, jerseys that have an extra saying on them. And it's an opportunity, you know, in the NASCAR world for more sponsorships. So maybe that's what college basketball is headed towards. You think? <laughs> Everything college sports is headed towards where the money is, which is fine by me. I don't care about that. But. I think this is absolutely a fireable offense. They, they need Texas A&M now need it hasn't been a banner year for Texas A&M athletics. Let's just put it that way. So all you got to do, but they did beat Florida despite not having their jerseys and being down one nothing to begin the game. All you got to do, checklist from now on. What do we what do we bring with us? Did we bring, notes personally. Did we bring the Gatorade? We brought the Gatorade. Did we bring the bags? We brought the bags. Do we bring the jerseys? Let me check. Todd, we got the jerseys. It's not that hard. In fact, it's fairly simple. It is not a waste of time, which, by the way, John Tortorella seems to think that the NHL All-Star game is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was asked about the complexity of the NHL All-Star game rosters this year and any of his players being left off of it. And he made it very clear that, he and the all-star event do not mix saying quote, Oh, I don't worry about that. The whole game, the whole weekend. I don't even watch it. I think it's turned into a, I'll leave it at that. I really don't care. Is torts on the money when it comes to his assessment of not just the NHL all-star game, but all-star games in general at this point in time, I understand in yesteryear, all-star games is an exhibition when there was much less crossover between leagues. They might've meant something a little more. Now, I'm kind of with torts here. I I think all-star games are relatively and largely unnecessary. Yeah, the only only all-star game that I will watch is the NBA all-star game, and it's because they literally lean into the bit. Like, they admit, yes, this is a joke. We're going to score 190 points, and it's essentially the Harlem Globetrotters, and it's an exhibition out there. Well, that's kind of what the NHL all-star game has become in recent years with how they restructured it and to the fantasy element, and that's kind of what the NBA did as well, the fantasy element. Baseball, thank goodness, got rid of the stupid, ridiculous home field advantage in the World Series is on the line in the the all-star game. I hated that so much because you could have – pardon me. You could have a 110-win baseball team not have home field advantage in the World Series because their league lost an exhibition game, which I thought was ridiculous. The NFL is doing away with the Pro Bowl as is. I think Torts is kind of on the money here. I would agree, yes. The Pro Bowl in particular, I mean, with all this talk of Bengals' bills being moved, I mean, clearly it's not sacred because people were talking about possibly pushing the NFL playoffs to have a one-game-only weekend this upcoming weekend of Bengals and Bills, and then they would just scrap the Pro Bowl altogether. So it stinks, obviously, for the city of Orlando that lost the Pro Bowl and now Vegas that has acquired it if it's just there and it's not even a moneymaker. And that's kind of my question is, like, beyond the fact that the the on-the-field doesn't matter, what are these all-star games doing? Like, I guess kind of attracting tourism. I think the all-star designation is very important. I really do believe that. And oh, yeah, that I agree. I mean, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, yes. Like, like, I think having an All-Star designation is, is significant. But especially when in some of these leagues where the fan vote is pretty much the majority of the vote, or in some cases like baseball, it's the entire vote, you lead things up to be skewed. And people who maybe weren't deserving of an All-Star selection get an all-star selection or guys that were deserving get left out. The NBA tries to balance it out where they give percentage votes, fans get, medias get, coaches get. It it all goes into the equation there. And and I think there's value in how it has structured that. But I really think it's time to just do away with the games. If you really want to do something, maybe you just at the end of the season for every sport, do some sort of let's do an exhibition, but I'm, I'm not sure. You know what baseball did for a while, which they haven't done in some time, the Japan series, where they would get mm, yeah. a, they would get a team of all-stars and go play against the best of Japan, and that was a lot of fun. 
So maybe if there were ways to incorporate a sport into a more worldly event, I think that could be pretty entertaining. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I remember as kids, and maybe it was because I was so into baseball, and I'm still a baseball fan, and I still obviously follow the Yankees religiously, but I was much more in tune in my middle school years. The World Baseball Classic, the first year that it occurred, Major League Baseball was pumping out all the promotions, all the content about it. Even I would say, like, in 2013 when I was interning at ESPN UK, like, they were pushing it over there because, obviously, for the European baseball uh, the countries, the European baseball countries, like that's a huge deal for them. But even that has kind of fell to the wayside. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I don't think any all-star game is particularly that important in the United States right now. That's why I think torts, torts is torts. We know he's somewhat abrasive at times, but that's also part of his charm. I total agreement with him on this take. I think all-star games are kind of antiquated and the designation alone maybe with some special events like a home run derby or a slam dunk contest or three point contest or the skills competition, like you see in the NHL, that stuff is fine by me. You can do some sort of exhibition weekend, but doing an actual game itself where guys, by the way, can get hurt. And that has happened before to me. It's just antiquated. That's how I look at it. Then again, you could be Brandon Staley and still be playing your players in a regular season game. That's meaningless and getting them hurt there. So uh, decisions, decisions. Uh, Speaking of decisions, let's stick in baseball. The Nashville Stars, a favorite to land Major League Baseball's next expansion franchise, and that being the city of Nashville, bring in another baseball legend, former MVP and veteran manager Don Mattingly. Mattingly will be a baseball advisor in the group led by Dave Stewart, the former three-time World Series champion and GM. John, what city is truly best for expansion? Is it Nashville? Is it elsewhere? Okay. So, well, first of all, I'll ask you, what do you think of that rendering? That, that, that rendering seems right at me. We over love renderings in the city of uh, Jacksonville, so I love no, that I was rendering. Gonna say for you, I mean, look at that. There's clearly some country music concert going yep. on in right field there, and then a baseball game that. next to it. That's awesome. That also seems like That's a, a lot of seats. I was going to say, that seems like a logistical nightmare traffic-wise in Nashville. If you've ever been to Nashville, that just looks like a disaster. But... um. So I think I'm going to lay this out. I've got predictions for like the next five, six years of how Major League Baseball is going to look. I think that they want to move the Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I believe that will happen. I think the Rays are probably going to end up staying in the greater Tampa area somewhere in that. I think at one point them moving was very much on the table. Um, I think that you will see expansion. In baseball, I think the two most likely cities for it, Nashville is one of them, but I think Montreal is probably the other one that stands out more, obviously used to more have. More than Expo. Las Vegas. Well, I'm, I'm doing this on the precipice oh, of Las Vegas. Okay, create, that, that, the, that the athletics would move and relocate to Las Vegas. And I believe that the Rays will stay put. And I think expansion happens with Nashville and Montreal, because I do believe they probably want to add two more teams to the equation here. What it boils down to, you could have Don Mattingly on your ownership group, whatever you want to do. It's got to come down to funds because it's going to cost a lot of money to bring a team in the first place. And then it's a lot of money to build stadiums too. So we're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars there. It is realistically, it's billions of dollars we're talking, some of which would probably end up being publicly subsidized, which that's a whole nother thing in and of itself. But I do believe both of those cities would be good spots. I think Montreal got the short end of the stick. Olympic stadium up there was a bad stadium. And that's big reason why the expos weren't drawing at all. I think we can agree that Nashville would be an outstanding landing spot for any pro team. The Titans are who they are, but the predators are always active with their fans bringing a major league baseball team. As long as it was in a roof covered stadium, because boy, does it get swampy there. I think that would be an excellent, excellent area in a party city like that. What say you? Their AAA team draws very well. They do. Speaking, speaking of that, no Jacksonville? Jacksonville's not on the short list? I'm just kidding. Jumbo Florida Shrimp, the jumbo, the jumbo Shrimp, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, the AAA affiliate of the, Flor- or the Miami Marlins, based here in Jacksonville, who were AA, but they made the bump up to AAA following the COVID season. 
is because their stadium is one of the largest it's of nice the double A's. Now they're one of the smallers of the triple A. Um, but also the fact that they, regardless of sport, were the highest drawing minor league franchise in the state of Florida. I think part of the novelty is that it is a minor league team. So that's why I, I don't think Jacksonville, sure. but I'm, I'm just throwing Florida, it out there to you. Florida has done nothing to merit adding baseball to it. And I love it. And there's so much baseball town there. And listen, I covered the Orlando dreamers expansion press conference in 2019, which was a disaster. So I don't see that happening. I think if Orlando really wanted a team, they should have tried to poach the Rays a little more, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see Florida as being an area for expansion. So I am going to throw two other cities since we referenced the Nashville sure. Stars, the AAA franchise in Nashville. Two Let's other count. cities that have AAA teams that potentially could come mm-hmm. to, you know, before, to be an expansion team. The first, Charlotte, I would Raleigh say Char- area. Charlotte is certainly up there. The, the only thing about Charlotte, and here's, here's the one thing I'll, I'll say against that I'll push back on. Charlotte is very much Braves country. That, that area of North Carolina is very so much... So is Jacksonville, but yes, continue. And yeah. if you were to add a team, I'm not sure how many would make the jump over. But mm-hmm. that's just my take. Anyway, go and on. And the other one, this is a curveball, pun intended, New Orleans. LSU is one of the highest drawing college baseball stadium slash teams. Yeah, but Baton Rouge isn't next door to New Orleans. It's an hour away. People love the baby cakes. Uh, I don't know. Now they're the Zephyrs, but I still call them the baby cakes. I don't. I don't know. I mean, New Orleans market wise, I think is what, like 51, something like that. It's not even a top 50 television market. I understand they have the Pelicans and they have the Saints. The Pelicans haven't drawn all that well, even though they're incredible this year. So I, I don't know how much they'd be ready to support a major league baseball team in that regard, but maybe they would. Again, money is a huge part of this. I think Nashville is a city that is expanding and growing like crazy right now. And that's why that's on Charlotte. And, and Montreal, there, there's rich baseball history there. Canada only currently has one team. You have an opportunity to build a new stadium there and, bring those disenfranchised fans back to the game who love the Expos and bring back whenever the Blue Jays play exhibition games in Montreal, they sell out huge. So there is, there is a desire for it in my opinion, but it's just a matter of will it happen? Me O'Brien. And that gives us to our last one. I'm going to tee up on this one because I know you've been wanting to do this for our kicker and that's what we're going to do. So right here, this is a Florida man. Uh, His name is Paul Wayne. He performed the national anthem before the Jaguars-Titans game in Week 18 that you were at. Uh, he pretty much exhibits every Florida stereotype that you could possibly imagine. Got a mullet, a USA guitar. It's not a mullet, by the way. He was on our show today. He was on XL Primetime. It's a receding hairline. Okay, receding. I was trying to give him a little more credit, and you're just going to call him out like that. He called himself out, so okay. now I want to keep it factual. Okay, that's fair. Uh, this, I saw this and I just, I said, <laughs> it's not exactly Lee Greenwood in game four of the 2001 World Series singing God Bless the USA, but it sure is something. Uh, what'd you make of your pal Paul Wayne here in it, representing America? The most Duval national anthem there has ever been. That That's it. Most Florida man, most Duval. The best part is, though, we found out when we had Paul on the air today, Paul is not from Florida. Paul only moved here six or seven years ago. He is actually from Texas. So, plot so Texas twist. Man, Texas man became Florida man. I mean, he's clearly fully inhabited and embraced Florida. There's no doubt about that. I will tell you, though, Alba, because you're obviously a huge music fan. Right. Paul and his wife actually have a nonprofit where they give guitars, refurbished guitars, and lessons to underserved children. Outstanding. That's great. And that is actually how he got court, He got linked with the Jaguars. One of the children that he worked with, the father worked security for the Jags. And so he brought it to the Jags' attention, and that's how they said, the well. going to bring him back now uh, in the future? Well, so that's the question, and that's what I'm actually going to leave you with, uh, John Alba, on this edition of Out of Bounds. Um, superstition. 
It worked for the Jaguars. They won 20 to 16 over the Tennessee Titans on Saturday night on ESPN on a last minute fumble recovery touchdown by Josh Allen with 257 to go in the ball game. And so my question is, if Paul worked, they got the win after Paul did the national anthem. If this hype video worked, if this person wore this outfit, if the teal end zones were there. You know, I'm not about this stuff. I'm not, I'm not about this stuff at all. Where, where do we stop the superstitions? You, I don't believe in superstitions at all. I'm not even a little stitious, okay? I'm not. I, I'm I, very. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't buy into the superstition stuff. But if you want to have fun with it, go ahead. I'm not going to sit here and crap all over anyone trying to have fun with superstitions. If you're into that, that's great. If they want to bring Paul back, give him some more exposure. Uh, I just want to know, were you the one who found Tony Khan's phone on the ground? No, I didn't even know that it fell. That was a big talking point on the internet. I filmed it and I didn't even notice until I texted it to you and you texted me. I had no idea. It was a very big talking point. I looked online and I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. So it was actually hilarious. I was telling Sirius XM earlier today, like, I was looking for uh, Dewey Wingard, the backup safety that has coined the now notorious phrase. It was always the Jags. I was looking for him, and I just turned to my right, and there they are, Zay Jones and Tony Khan frolicking together. And I was just like, must fail. Tony hugs are back. They are. I think he got his phone back. I didn't tell him. I showed Zay the video. I showed it to Trevor, too, but I don't know if Tony got his phone back. I'm I'm, assuming he did. He tweeted. He's tweeting, so so I'm sure he got it back. I have no doubt about that. This has been a fun episode of Out of Bounds here on Know Your News. Anything you want to throw out there, Mio and Brian, before we wrap up here? Hydrate. Hydrate. Also, uh, the spread right now for tonight's national championship, according to the good folks over at my bookie, I believe it's currently, and I'm going to double check it, it is indeed 12. Oh, it's up to 13 and a half points. It was 12 and a half this afternoon, 13 and a half in favor of the dogs. Um, I would love for TCU to cover. I've accepted Georgia's winning the game, but I would love for them to cover John Alba. I would love for them to win too, but I've accepted that it's just the nature of the beast. Georgia is the next Alabama. It is what it is. Also, um, we asked this question on our show today, and we asked a couple of the reporters we had on. uh, Who gets the statue first at the University of Georgia, Stetson or Kirby? It's a coach's world, so Kirby. That's Mm. that's the reality, unfortunately. But I want to leave us with this. Me, O'Brien, our friend Jordan Katz forwarded this along to me while we were on air. As we hit the air, the National Sports Media Association Sportscaster of the Year, Mr. Ian Eagle. Shout out to the bird again. That does it for us here on Out of Bounds. I know your news. We will see you next week. Shout out to the bird. Bird. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.